0: And now the official results of the Australian Marriage Law Postal Survey. For the national result, yes responses, 7,817,247,
1: representing 61.6% of clear responses. Is it on? Look, I'm going to shirt front, Mr Putin.
0: I will not be lectured about sexism and misogyny by this man. I will not. No, wait, it, it is on?
1: Uh, you bet you are. Uh, you bet I am.
0: I don't like it.
1: Oh, fair shake of the sauce bottle, mate.
0: Well, may we say God save the Queen, because nothing will save the Governor-General.
2: Hello and welcome to episode 31 of BuzzFeed Australia's political podcast, Is It On? We are recording this on the morning of Friday, the 17th of November. My name is Alice Workman and I'm sitting in the BuzzFeed offices in Parliament House. Sitting across from me is Lane Sainty. Lane, hello.
1: Alice, hello. How are you?
2: Lane, what a week. What a <laughs> historic week in Australia. The Socceroos are the root
1: of the World Cup. I know it is tremendous <laughs> I mean they've had so many games this this debate about whether the Socceroos would make it to the World Cup has dragged on we'll for such a long time quit. will he be able to do it ah, it, is. it is multifaceted, Alice and I'm so happy for the boys <laughs> I'm so happy for Mike and the boys
2: as Tony Abbott would say no of course we are joking this has been a huge week this week 61.6 percent of Australian voters said yes Lane They
1: said yes. That is right. We weren't sure if they would, but they did. (laughs) We were deeply unsure if they would. Um, But you are right, Alice. About 12.7 million Australians weighed in, as I like to say, on other people's marriages. (laughs) And the result was, yes, other people should be allowed to get married. So all states and territories recorded a majority yes vote in favour of same-sex marriage. Across the country, we had... 7,817,247 voters, that's 61.6%, who said yes, and 4,873,987 people who said no. Of 150 electorates across the country, only 17 returned a no vote, meaning 133 said yes. But more importantly, Lane, let's take a quick look at
2: which state gets bragging rights for returning the biggest yes vote. Yep, let's do it. If you, if you had to guess, who would you think, which state or territory across the country do you think would be the most yes?
1: I would have guessed Dan Andrews Socialist Republic in down in Victoria. <laughs>
2: Victoria. <laughs> well, well, they came in second. But the number one was where we are right now, the Australian Capital Territory, 74% yes.
1: 74%.
2: Only place in the country with a a gay leader,
1: Andrew Barr, Chief Premier of the ACT. Yeah, that's true. And, and often said by Barr, I think, to be the most LGBTI-friendly part of Australia. Mm. Perhaps this is an indication of that. But interesting to note, Alice, across Australia, every single leader, and opposition leader, I'm talking federal, Malcolm Turnbull, Bill Shorten, and then across every state and territory, Leaders and opposition leaders uniformly said that they so were voting and yes. Labors. Liberals and Labor's, yeah, said they were voting yes, except for <laughs> the ACT, where opposition leader Alastair Coe was the only leader who said no. Nah. I'm voting no. Sorry, guys.
2: Okay, let's run through the stats. The ACT, 74% yes. Victoria, number two, 64.9% yes. Third place was WA with 63.7. Fourth was Tasmania with 63.6% yes. South Australia came in next, 62.5. Then Queensland, 60.7. Northern Territory, 60.6. And the lowest yes vote, New South Wales, 57.8. But we'll get into the nitty gritty of the details in just one second because we are dedicating this whole podcast to the Australian Marriage Law Postal Survey results. Lane, who are we chatting to this week?
1: Alice, I was so happy to be able to speak to three gay, lesbian and bisexual politicians who were a huge part of the Yes movement. I sat down with Liberal Senator Dean Smith, who introduced his private member's bill to legalise same-sex marriage this week. Yep, that'll be the bill. It the will bill. be the bill, and it's now a cross-party bill because a bunch of people have, have added their names to it. So we, we have to think about if we can keep calling it the Smith Bill, but <laughs> it's, it's how everyone knows it now. I also sat down with Labor Senator Penny Wong about that photo of her crying, relieved reaction to hearing the results and how she feels about the way this debate has played out. And we also spoke to Green Senator Janet Rice, who in her speech to the Senate this week really highlighted the BTIQ in LGBTIQ. But before we get into all of that, Alice, we have ditched the Fast (laughs) Five, goodbye, and instead I have named this new segment... We, we haven't really ditched it. We'll be back next week. But for this week, we have Alice's two minutes of fun pew, pew, pew. <laughs> describing everything else that happened this week. So, Alice, your time starts now. Okay, Jackie Lambie quit the Senate because she found out she was a dual British citizen
2: by descent from her Scottish grandfather. The person set to replace her is a guy called Steve Martin. He's the mayor of Davenport Lane, and he also might be ineligible to sit in Parliament because, as a mayor, he technically works for the government, and that's a no-no under Section 44. Now, Section 44, our favourite section of the Constitution, Constitution, has also booted the New South Wales Liberal set to replace former Nationals Deputy Leader Fiona Nash in the Senate. Holly Hughes is her name. She's been ruled ineligible to sit in Parliament because after the election last year, when she didn't get a seat, she got a job working for the government organisation the Administrative Appeals Tribunal from George Brandis. And the High Court says, well, we don't care if you got it after the election. That makes you ineligible. Ineligible! So the next Liberal on the ticket is Jim Mullen. Looks like he might be the one to get the seat, but we'll just have to wait and see. Now, After the High Court rules Holly Hughes ineligible, the new Green Senator, who actually was sworn in on Monday to replace the Canadian Queenslander Larissa Waters, now also has a question mark over his head. Andrew Bartlett is his name, and before the citizenship saga, he worked at a university. He worked at the ANU. What is the A Well, it's government funded, Lane. Ding, ding, ding. No, 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 Andrew. <laughs> out. Section 44, he's out. <laughs> Fraser Anning, the One Nation Senator, sworn in on Monday to replace Malcolm Roberts, lasted less than an hour after saying that he was going to quit the One Nation Party. Technically, he's still currently sitting with them because he hasn't given formal notice to the Senate that he wants to move to become an independent, but he's going to do that the next time Parliament sits at the end of November. Finally, Lane, less than a week ago, John Alexander quit Parliament because... He was a Brit, as we talked about on last week's podcast. He's forced a by-election in his seat of Benelong in Sydney, and Labor announced a surprise celebrity candidate. She's nobody's puppet. She's nobody's protege. She's nobody's girl. That's right, it's Christina Keneally, the first female Premier of New South Wales. The by-election will be on December 16, and fingers crossed they both renounce their dual citizenships before nominations close, or we might have to do this all again next year. Oh, and I'm um, Christopher Pine's Twitter account liked a gay porn tweet at 2 a.m. in the morning, but don't worry, because he says he was hacked, Lane. He was hacked. <laughs> the defense <laughs> the defence minister was hacked. But it's not a big deal because it's just a personal account, so can
1: we all move on? Right. Okay, mate. Well, let's move on. <laughs> on to the main story of the week. Do 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 do
2: do 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 do. Love is in the air. Let's just turn it to the pattern. Everywhere I look around. <laughs> Your PK, I'm Frank do Okay. Love's in the air <laughs> we- every, He's singing every sight okay. and every sound But I don't know if I'm being foolish Lane, you take it Don't know who no, was. If This is the party room and I'm okay, I don't think But something that I must believe in And it's there when I look in your eyes
1: Thank you so much for serenading me, Alice Workman and John Paul Young. You are now the meld. Okay. Yes. Love is in the air. As we said before, the figures, 61.6% voted yes, 38.4% voted no. Participation was a huge 79.5%. And an interesting fact, Alice, that I have just been looking at this morning about the people who participated, almost 17,000 people sent back blank forms. They got out their form. Wow. They didn't tick anything or write anything. Protest vote. And they posted it right on back to the ABS. As foretold, I was in Belconnen
2: watching the Australia's top statistician deliver. David the, Kalish himself. <laughs> deliver these phenomenal results. Yep. Uh, you were at the Yes rally in Sydney uh, where Magnus Bansky, Ian Thorpe and other people were. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did the crowd react when the results came through?
1: Oh, they just they just went wild. I mean, as I'm sure you can imagine, it was really... It was a really strange and wonderful place to be. The park was packed. Everyone was kind of packed in. The Equality Campaign staff were all up on the stage. And then about five minutes before 10 a.m., they played this kind of compilation video of the campaign with, you know, kind of tinkling piano. And, you know, it was all very emotional. (laughs) And then there was just, um, they went back to the stage and said some stuff. And then it just kind of cut to David Kalish and everyone was like, (gasps) (laughs) And, and, you know, there were some quite, funny moments during David Kellish's speech where he you know, was quite aware of the fact that this is the most attention that an announcement from the Australian statistician is, is likely to get for a while um, and then as he went through and went through all the participation details you could really feel the crowd getting quite tense I mean at one it was point three, it was three minutes of, of build up yeah, yeah. Th- yeah three minutes of build up and during those three minutes uh, a woman right next to me in the crowd just said at one point and the result is <laughs> I kind of yelled it out um, but then he said it he said seven million and you know there was a second and for most people they clocked that that Mm. meant a yes victory cheering the 61 percent yeah it was incredible and our producer nick hi nick he was with me there on the day and we went around and chatted to a bunch of people about how they were feeling. Um, Before it, it was a bit nerve-wracking because I kept dragging it. It was just like, just get to it. But after it was really good.
3: I think uh, this morning it was a feeling, uh, I saw online somebody described it as uh, waiting for Christmas and also waiting for HSC results to come in. We were actually in the Uber at the time, but we were sitting there and I started tearing up when I found out. Got a bunch of messages from all my friends. Well,
4: i got to say, I... I had my reservations when I was driving across the bridge this
2: morning wondering if the result was going to go our way but I am absolutely delighted and
4: it's as it should be, as as it should be. It started with a lot of jitters, with a lot of concern, a bit of anxiety but now I feel fantastic. Going to the pub and then up to Taylor Square to To have a big
0: yes hug with all the other gays.
2: (laughs) Okay, let's break down the numbers. Voters in every single electorate in Tasmania, South Australia, Western Australia, the Northern Territory and the ACT recorded a majority response for yes. But the situation was a bit more complicated along the eastern states. Victoria had the highest response rate and the highest overall support for same-sex marriage. The highest two electorates in the country, it was a tie between Melbourne... So that's a seat held by Greens MP Adam Bant, and Sydney held by Labor's Tanya Plibersek. Both of them returned a yes vote of 83.7%, which is huge. Uh, rounding out the top five seats were the Prime Minister's seat of Wentworth uh, in Sydney's eastern suburbs. They had an 80.8% yes. And Labor MP Anthony Albanese's seat of Grainler in Sydney's inner west had 80%. Now, the highest no votes in the country were literally just across the road from some of the highest yes votes in Western Sydney. 12 of the 17 electorates that returned a majority no vote um, were Western Sydney. Blacksland, held by Labor's Jason Clare, returned the highest no vote in the nation, 73.9%. Now, Blacksland includes suburbs like Bankstown, Yaguna, Auburn. The electorate of Watson, held by Labor MP Tony Burke that takes in Lakemba, Greenacre, Campsie, had a a big no vote as well, 69.9%. The Western Sydney seat of McMahon held by Shadow Treasurer Chris Bowen had a huge no vote too. It was the third highest with 64.9%. Now, interesting to note Mm -hmm. that nine out of the ten biggest no voting seats, so the people with the strongest opposition to same-sex marriage, are held by Labor Party MPs. Uh, And, of course, the Labor Party had committed to supporting same-sex marriage before the last election. So some people said, oh, will, will this play out? Will this have an effect on their politicians? I don't think it'll have any blowback on them really because they knew that going into the last election. But it is an interesting thing to kind of note that, you know people would probably have assumed that the biggest no votes would have been in the country, but in fact, they were in really metro areas.
1: Yeah, rural and rural and regional Australia um, really came through with the yes votes, and it was in mostly really Western Sydney. That is where the bulk of the opposition to same-sex marriage is in, in the country.
2: So, Lane, why was there such a big discrepancy between Eastern Sydney and Western Sydney with the result? Well, it's a number of things. It's to do with ethnicity. It's to do with economics. It's to do with education. So Blacksland, the electorate with the highest no vote, In the last census, they had 29% of people identifying with Islam, 36% with Christianity, 8% with Buddhism, and only 14% said no religion. So a lot of the electorates with the strong no votes also tended to have a significant share of the population born in a non-English speaking country. So they were first generation Australians, but it's not just to do with ethnicity or multiculturalism. Um, One of the other no votes uh, in Sydney was the Northwestern Sydney electorate of Mitchell, which is held by uh, Liberal MP Alex Hawke. Mm -hmm. It has a relatively large share of Christians and it's home to the Hillsong megachurch and they voted no on 50.9%. Um, That's a very narrow margin. It is, it is. Mm. But we also know that uh, the Coalition for Marriage, so the No Camp, campaigned heavily on fear in Western Sydney. They had bilingual material with, uh, frankly, lies on them about how uh, voting yes could lead to people raping women and some horrible things about safe schools and and the safety of children, which were just, frankly, untrue. Um, But I also saw someone say that uh, the Yes Camp's main campaign slogan, Love is Love, is a very white slogan and it doesn't translate well. And the the Yes Camp didn't put enough effort into translating that into um, a campaign about equal rights and removing discrimination and maybe that hampered uh, their their campaigning. But GetUp said that they were only expecting a 55% turnout and so turnout was a really big motivator for their campaigning. So they were really just focused on people returning their ballots and they weren't thinking about things like the the bilingual vote out in Western Sydney, and um, some people have said that maybe they should have spent less time campaigning in Bondi and maybe more time in Blacktown, but but Lane, they did campaign in Western Sydney, but just maybe not enough as the no guys did.
1: Yeah, I know. I know they certainly did some door knocks out there in um, Parramatta, in particular. And it's also worth noting, Alice, one of the electorates that people were really looking out for in the same-sex marriage survey was, of course, that of former Prime Minister Tony Abbott. Mm. And the way I found out about the yes vote in Warringah was when Christine Forster, his sister, took to the stage at the yes event in Sydney and said, "And the vote in Warringah was seventy-five percent yes." With absolute relish. And the crowd went wild. I caught up with her afterwards and said, look, I, I saw you get up on stage. And she was like, oh, yeah, you know, I just I had to point it out. She also said that she had just gotten off the phone with her brother and oh, yes. that he had said to her that he thought the result should be passed quickly through Parliament. Given mm. the the enormity of the result, he will be, I think, seeking to support amendments to the Smith Bill and, you know, how it plays out is, of course, yet to be seen. But that is what he said to her on the day. Geez, wouldn't you love to be at their Christmas this year, the Abbott family Christmas? I did ask her about that, Alice. I was like, you know, how was the call? And she, well, here's what she said. To start off with, how are you feeling right now?
5: Uh, relieved. Yeah. Uh, happy, obviously, that that uh, we've got the right result. We've got a pretty resounding yes vote. Um, I'm glad that the campaigning's behind us. Now, It's the responsibility of our parliamentarians in Canberra to get on with the job that they get paid to do, to pass legislation that is fair, uh, that doesn't... Discriminate against anyone, let alone members of the, of the uh, LGBTIQ community, uh, and to listen to the voice of the people—they asked us to speak. We have spoken resoundingly, strongly. Our voice has been heard. Now it's up to them to get on with it and do it. Let's go
1: back just over an hour when you were standing up on stage waiting to hear the result. How were you feeling in that kind of five minutes?
5: Uh, terrible. Yeah, uh, very emotional. Yeah. Um, you know, this has been a long, hard fight for us. Personally. Personally but you know for the whole community, you know, there's been and there's been so much writing on this really. People are probably unless you're like us and you, you know you want to get married, you know, you're here in Sydney under Australian law, you, it's probably hard to actually understand just how much this meant. Uh, and how much it meant it means for you know the, the generation of my children. Because you know, young Australians. Every young Australian now has the same future, the same opportunity, the same rights. Hopefully, uh, once these guys get it done in Canberra, uh, the same rights as everybody else. And that is, it, it, you can't put a value on that. You Can't put a price on it. It's yeah. it's it's a, an absolutely. Seminal moment for the for the country, and I hope people, you know, feel as good about it as, as we're feeling. So, do you have plans in place for a Sydney wedding? Yes, second of February. It's all booked. Oh, yeah, Okay, all booked. Well, how nice venue, a beautiful venue on Macquarie Street, overlooking yeah. the Botanic Gardens. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm, I'm just I hoping, as you say, so they pull their fingers out in Canberra and we don't lose our deposit. Yeah.
1: I, I was going to say, you got up on stage, and I um, said with some relish. Um, but it was uh...
5: a... <laughs> we did it, huh? Oh, my God. Well done. Well, yeah, gonna... Congratulations. Hey, Jackie, how are you going? Good, how are you? Good. <laughs> um, you said with some relish that it was a 75% vote in Warringah. Well, I just had to... I couldn't help myself from pointing that out. <laughs> <Okay>. uh, <laughs> Look, the people yeah. have spoken. That's yeah. what they wanted us to do, and they have yeah. They have shouted loud and clear. Yeah. But... Do, you, do you expect... um? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Do you expect your brother to be um, kind of making trouble in the House of Reps and moving amendments to, to do with the Paterson Bill into the Smith Bill?
5: Look, I'm going to give you a scoop now. I've just spoken to him. Okay. And uh, he's he's of the same view as me that we need to... ..that this should be moved through Parliament pretty quickly. Uh, OK. You know, he has spoken about uh, protections for people of conscience... Yeah, uh, how that actually looks on the floor of Parliament, we'll wait and see. I don't, I don't believe, and I'm not quoting him now. I don't believe it looks anything like the Paterson Bill, which I think was frankly disgraceful. Yeah. Uh, it needs to be a starting point with the Dean Smith Bill, and you know they can try and get whatever amendments through that they think uh, are required. Yeah. That'll be tested on the floor of Parliament.
1: Yeah. And and how was that conversation with Great. your brother?
5: Look, my yeah. my brother. Is a really good guy. <laughs> Despite you know what people think uh, and how they perceive our relationship, he and I have a really great relationship. Uh, he's my older brother. I'm his youngest sister. That's what it is. And he's uh, a terrific fellow.
2: Also worth noting, uh, Immigration Minister Peter Dutton, the architect... The man responsible for the postal (laughs) survey and another big anti-marriage equality crusader had a huge yes vote as well in his Brisbane electorate of Dixon, 65.2%. So that's higher than the national average. It is. So we had the result in the morning and then within a few hours, uh, Liberal Senator Dean Smith had introduced his private members bill to legalise same-sex marriage in Australia. Now, there was some I was here in the building, there was some scuttlebutt behind the scenes that the no-voting conservative politicians from the Liberal Party and the National Party were really upset with the result. They were angry, they were upset, and they were trying to get the numbers behind the scenes to block this bill being introduced, but in the end, they just couldn't do it. They just couldn't get the numbers, and so Dean Smith went into the chamber. He moved the motion um there were some of the the no voting politicians sat there stony faced. they didn't say i or they, they didn't vocally say no they just kind of sat there and didn't say anything and there was a huge round of applause for dean smith after he introduced the bill and, and and here's some of the speech that he gave
3: as a young man i never believed i could serve as a senior advisor to a prime minister or a premier because i was a gay man john howard and richard court both proved me wrong I never believed that I could be pre-selected to be a Liberal Party candidate or senator. The Liberal Party proved me wrong. I didn't believe my name would ever be accepted by the people at an election. The people of Western Australia proved me wrong. And I never believed And I never believed the day would come when my relationship would be judged by my country to be as meaningful and valued as any other, the Australian people have proven me wrong. To those who want and believe in change and to those who seek to frustrate it, I simply say, don't underestimate Australia, don't underestimate the Australian people. Don't underestimate our country's sense of fairness, its sense of decency, and its willingness to be a country for all of us. Not only does our country live these values, it votes for them as well. Thank you.
2: So the debate is underway. Uh, It is expected to be debated in the Senate uh, and then passed through the Senate in the last week of November, then head to the House before uh, it can be made into law. So it's really all down to the numbers lane and uh, what changes the conservative politicians want to make
1: to those legislation that uh, Senator Dean Smith is putting forward. It absolutely is. And Senator Smith is no doubt going to be at the centre of those conversations. I sat down with him on Thursday, a few hours after he had delivered his speech to the Senate to talk about some of the things he mentioned in that speech and find out what happens next. Here it is. We're joined now in the BuzzFeed Parliament House Office by Senator Dean Smith. Senator, welcome to the podcast.
3: Great to be here, thank you.
1: To start off with, you took a moment in your speech today while talking about being a young gay man and believing that opportunities would be closed off Mm. for you in life because of your sexuality. How did you deal with and move past that fear when you were a young gay man?
3: Well, that's a that's a that's a really good question because when I've been going through this sort of marriage debate, the marriage debate is different for me than it is for some of my colleagues. I'm not in a relationship. Um, I don't see myself as being married, or or I didn't see myself as being married. That might be different now but I absolutely knew that this was important because by standing up and removing this plank of discrimination I know it'll have a positive effect on the lives of young LGBTI Australians today uh, certainly the lives of young LGBTI Australians into the future and by removing this very obvious stark discrimination it's another way of saying to LGBTI Australians they're okay Um, their families are okay, the choices they make are okay. So uh, it it has, um, and and during the last perhaps 24, 36 hours as I've been thinking about my speech today, uh, I have reflected on what my life might have been like if this marriage discrimination had not existed, uh, that perhaps my perception of being more involved or more accepted might have... um, Hastened my path to parliament. It might have made me think differently about some of the career choices. Um, I don't think it would have changed my relationships with my family because we are a close family. But it certainly would have taken a lot of the fear and trauma out of my life as a, a late in my late teens and my early adult years. Um, I've I've been lucky that I've always felt supported in my family and friendship environments and that has sort of what sustained me but also if I could say this Lane that you know when I decided to well when I when I when I I came out to my parents and to Mm -hmm. friends around me I had some clear choices I was very active in the young liberals I could have abandoned that because at the time it was a not a friendly the little party was not a friendly place to Young, openly gay men. What, uh, what
1: year would that have been Uh around? That would have been
3: in the early 90s, about 92, okay. uh, 93. Yep. Um, I could have abandoned my faith. What, you know, is there a God? Why would God want to do this to me? All those sorts of things. But it just forced me to look more closely at the issues. It forced me to sort of um, understand the importance of authenticity, understand the importance of being honest with yourself first and foremost. And I think it's a collection of those things that, that sustain me.
1: And that honesty and being yourself in situations where other people are thinking differently has been a, a massive feature of your political life for the past year and a half or so. You've been a, a lone voice in the in the government speaking out against the plebiscite and, and then the postal survey and then writing this bill when there were strong voices in, in your own party pushing back against this. Uh, did you... Worry at any point that this might impact your place in the party or your um, pre-selection chances in Mm. in the Senate at all?
3: I think the short answer has to be yes. You've always got to think about those sorts of things Mm -hmm. and you always have to make a calculated risk. Is it worth it? But I've chosen to measure... In making those sorts of decisions, I've chosen to view it through the lens of the long term and not through the lens of the short term. Uh, Do I expect it to be promoted to the front bench anytime soon? No. Would I like to be promoted to the front bench? Absolutely. I would like to make a bigger and better contribution. I would like to tackle other tough issues. I'd like to tackle other tough issues with the authority of being an assistant minister or a minister. But is this the right thing to do? Yes. Is it okay to have come to the parliament and been a backbencher for my whole parliamentary career, but have achieved things like marriage and other things? Yep, lots of people come here. They get into positions, but they're not r- recorded anywhere. Their contribution is not recorded. Have they made an impactful change? Have they, I think the answer to that is no. So it, there's this constant tension. Do I stand up for things and imperil short-term progress, or do I make a decision to stand up for things because they're the right thing to do? And I have stood up on other issues, uh, none as significant as this, and none touching this many people, and uh, and you know, and you know, perhaps you know, in a very positive way, you know, really pivoting the country on a really sort of healthy path. Mm. Uh, it's a constant challenge, but I've chosen to be um, be myself, uh, be a good parliamentarian first and foremost yeah
1: that question was it worth it Mm. was that answered for you yesterday or had you answered it for yourself some time ago
3: was it worth it (laughs) is it worth is it worth it was Mm. it worth it I think it's been answered along the way I think it's been answered along the way when the participation rates were being announced, and I and I and behind the scenes, I've got to be fair. I, I fought hard against the participation rates being announced because I thought that it was. A, I thought it was interfering with the process. That um, it didn't matter whether yes or no campaign. That was information that could be used to. Uh, I thought it took the impartiality out of it. But again, I've reflected on that. Uh, and as those participation rates came in, I got more and more. My. My caution was comforted. Uh, I think for me, uh, yesterday was strong. Yesterday was really strong. Uh, I always knew it had to have a six in front of it. Uh, And when I quickly did... Math is not my strong point, but when I quickly did the math, seven million out of... I thought, okay, wow, fantastic. Um, A burden was lifted today when I gave my speech. I felt this was a great opportunity to explain myself and explain my position. Um, There's a challenge ahead of me. It's important to steer it through the Senate carefully, uh, respectfully. Uh, I'm confident I can do it respectfully. I'm confident I can do it carefully. Um, I hope that uh, I'm not let down by some other senators. It's beholden on each and every one of us. Um, That's going to be very, very interesting.
1: Who do you think you might be let down by and and do those people have the numbers
3: um i won't let's not go into specifics because i'd like to uh give people the benefit of the doubt first yeah but it's important to always be a bit uh, cautionary um because this is a sensitive issue for some people and some people are hurting And some people will deal with that hurt, not just in the parliament, but across the community. And some people will deal with that hurt in different sorts of ways.
1: Mm. A lot of the talk about same-sex marriage in the Liberal Party very much divides the party into talking about the conservatives Mm. against the moderates. (laughs) You very much are conservative. That's how Mm. you describe yourself. Mm. Mm. Are you the only same-sex marriage supporting conservative?
3: Uh, I don't think so, but, well, 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 I say that, but I can't readily name others. Mm. I think, I think what's different about me is I'm much more comfortable not just taking a label or being given a label, but populating that label with justification, explanation, evidence. I think some people are comfortable to take a label because it sort of suits, it's something they put on their armour. Oh, you know, I am conservative or i am moderate and then get out there and fight no i think and i actually think we're coming to the point where the conservative moderate labels don't work anymore the party is much more complex uh public policy issues are much more complex i think sometimes when we put labels on people it's a way of diminishing them or narrowing them or uh, narrowing their contribution um, you look at my let's, you look at my um, colleagues. Uh, they are institutionally conservative for the most part. Perhaps not transhuman. Uh, they are all free marketeers. Once upon a time, that was the point of delineation. You know, in the '90s, moderates and conservatives were defined not on an issue like same-sex marriage, but on an issue like republicanism. And if you were conservative in the '90s, you were a rep- uh, against a republic. Mm. And if you were a moderate, you were um, for Australian republicanism. Now, of course, we know now there are people who would describe themselves as conservative and republic, Senator Cezelja, for example. There are those people who are moderate and would describe themselves as uh, status quo, not perhaps constitutional monarchists in the same way that I have a fervour for it, but they would probably describe themselves as status quoists. Right. So I think we're coming to the point where um, the labels don't, the labels aren't working as well as they used to be. I am very grateful to those people in the press gallery who have challenged the use of labels in this. Uh, someone stands up and said, oh, that Dean Smith, he's a you know, you know nasty old moderate. And someone says, well, hold on a second, actually, he's not. This is, this is the sorts of things he's been talking about while he's been here. So I like the fact that there's some sort of disruptor um, uh, being sort of put into this sort of labelling of, of, of left and right inside the party.
1: Okay, Senator, I know you need to get back to the chamber shortly. So just to finish, there will likely be lots of gay people listening to this interview thinking that when will I actually be able to get mm. married or, or pop the question, what's <laughs> your mm. guess what's for my guess? the date the bill passes mm. and then the date it, it becomes legal?
3: Well, uh, look, it hinges on three things. Uh, The first thing is when does it pass the Parliament? So hopefully all the amendments would be done in the Senate. It goes to the House of Representatives as a message. Uh, House of Representatives members get to make their contributions. Uh, Let's hope that there's an opportunity to end on a high point on a high point so it ends the parliamentary debate i think we can be confident that that will end on or before the 7th of december Mm -hmm. then it's then it requires royal assent and there's no reason why it it can't get royal assent between uh the 7th of december and christmas and the critical point is that there will be a commencement date and that date is unknown just yet Uh, And that date's necessary because that is how you sort of the consequential arrangements get looked after. Um, I'm planning to have a royal assent party, uh, given my constitutional monarchy fervour. Photos
1: of the Queen everywhere, I imagine. Well,
3: uh, well, there'll be lots of Queens there, but there'll only be one, the Queen. (laughs) (laughs) I hope there'll be lots of Queens there, but there'll only be one, the Queen. I'm sure there will. So that's my best indication at the moment, but I'm happy to come back and give you a bit of a read on it.
1: Okay, great. What Senator... Date? What's your guess? Oh, yeah. So what, what's, the, what's, what's the date? My, Give us a what, date.
3: What's my guess? I'll, I'd be sort of planning one around the 15th of December or something, yeah.
1: Senator Smith, thank you so much for your time.
3: It's great to be here. Thank you.
2: Now, Lane, one of the most iconic photos that has been circulated this week is of Labor Senator Penny Wong. Uh, finding out the result, they were here in Canberra in a small committee room. Her and uh, a lot of the other people that are co-signatories on the Dean Smith bill, um, watching the the results on TV as the, as they happened. And you know, there's there's a great frame by frame shot of Penny Wong uh, when she hears the the seven million. She does a, a little fist pump, and then when she hears. 61.6% yes, she puts her head in her hands and she starts sobbing. She's wrapped in a rainbow flag. She's got Pat Dodson standing next to her. Louise Pratt is there. Darren Hinch is there. Sam Dastyari is there. It's this great <laughs> photo. And I think there was one of the Labor politicians, Murray Watt, commented in the, in the Senate that it was kind of this, you know, there was a, uh, Uh, A gay Asian woman. There was an Aboriginal elder. There was a cheeky young Iranian immigrant.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was really. It was was really quite the same. It was like. Yeah. This
2: is quite great, amazing photo. Um, uh, now someone who was in the room next in. Now, someone who was next to her in the room said that she was actually sobbing, like she was crying sobbing, mm-hmm. and she asked someone to get her a stiff glass of gin, <laughs> which I love. And then later on Wednesday night after the results had come out, uh, there was a huge street party in, in Canberra Lane that I've never seen, that, I didn't even know that many people lived in Canberra. It was one of the most amazing <laughs> things I have to say. So we mentioned uh, ACT Chief Minister Andrew Barr before. Yep. So he got up on stage at, at this street party and uh, to cheers of ACT ACT. He said the ACT say and delivered the biggest yes result. It was kind of the most embarrassing thing I'd ever heard. And then, um, <laughs> so and harsh. then Andrew Barr mm-hmm. sculled the Corona with a with a chunk of lime in it. The line. He, so he sculled the Corona, the line hit him in the face, and then he passed his partner, and it was just lovely. What an image! What an image! Um, this is Australia. <laughs> and then, and then Penny Wong arrived,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and there, it was all Penny Penny. <laughs>
6: no introduction.
4: Canberra, you're going to make me cry all over again. <laughs> I want to acknowledge the traditional owners of this land. Pay my respects to elders past and present. I want to thank all of you. I want to thank Australia. Thank you, Australia! Yeah. Thank you, Canberra. Thank you, the ACT. And I just said this wonderful Katie Gallagher, but you gave us 74%. Yeah. Extraordinary day. What an extraordinary day. I woke up this morning and I thought, and I hadn't had a lot of sleep. Who had a lot of, a lot of sleep last night? I, don't <laughs> I tweeted a bit, you know, watched a bit of TV. Hold oh. on. I thought this day, I thought this morning, this day will either be a day where I feel like this isn't my country, a day where I feel that the things in which I believe are not shared, this this could be a day where so many Australians feel excluded, diminished and rejected. All this could be a day where Australia shows itself to be the nation we hope it to be. Penny Wong, welcome to the podcast. Hello. (laughs) To start off with, how did you celebrate last night? Well, I went to um, that the party in Braddon, you know, where they closed Lonsdale Street and had that incredible um, rally celebration for a bit. And then um, uh, my staff and I went round to one of their houses and had Thai takeaway and some beer.
1: I heard there were people chanting your name at the rally.
5: Yeah,
1: Is there, people, was that a new experience for you?
4: Uh, it's happened before, but not that loudly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> No, it was it was pretty extraordinary, wasn't it? I mean, everybody was um, in a in a very joyful mood, weren't they? It was they a big were. celebration. It was a great it was great energy.
1: And today we returned to the Parliament. Mm-hmm. You gave your speech to the Senate. for the I didn't cry though. Bill. Did I? You didn't cry. No, hooray! No, <laughs> I
4: figured one day, you know, in a number of years was enough. Two in yeah. a row would be too much.
1: Well. Given the amount of attention it got, maybe. Yeah, thank you.
4: Thank you for reminding me.
1: <laughs> you brought it up. Um, <laughs> True. So you, you said in your speech today that it's the, the first bill of so many in the parliament mm. and this is the first one that you've put your name to. That's right. Because you think it, it might actually pass. Was the speech harder to write than the many others you've given?
4: Um. I found actually a few of the the speeches on marriage equality quite hard because after a while, we've given so many in so many different contexts, I I do think what more is there to say in terms of the argument for it? So this was a different speech, wasn't it? Because this was a speech after the postal survey when we we know we do have the numbers subject to people changing their mind and doing something other than what they've indicated uh, to pass the bill. So I think... I was conscious that this was a speech about a bill that is likely to become law. But the reason I, I haven't sponsored before is I, I, I really did have this view. I didn't want to make a point. You know, I didn't want to just move something so that I could say I'd move something. I actually wanted to deliver it.
1: To what extent did you see the survey as a vote on LGBTI people? as opposed to a vote on marriage?
4: I thought it was um, fundamentally a vote about us. Yes. Uh, Certainly that's how it was messaged and that's how it was felt. So whilst it was a vote about marriage and at a technical level, uh, I think it was a a vote about acceptance and inclusion and... uh, you know, it's why one of the things I talked about in the speech uh, in the Parliament and also last night at, at, um, in Braddon was imagine the, the counterfactual, what it would have said to us if we'd lost this vote, what it would have said to um, LGBTIQ kids everywhere about who they were and how much they were accepted.
1: And so with that in mind, what do you make of the fact that more than four million mm. people did vote No.
4: Well, uh, yeah, that, that can be hard, can't it? I remember um, sort of walking, down the, walking into the schoolyard, actually, with my, with my daughter. And the school she goes to, we're, I think, is a reasonably progressive community. But I was sort of doing the numbers and thinking, OK, if there's... Let's say it's 10% above the, the national average, how many of the people statistically walking past me think that our relationship is not equal uh, or have a problem with it. <coughs> and, uh, you know, so that would be, let's see, you know, at least one in four probably. And so which of the, which of the one, which of the four is the one who thinks that, uh, same sex couples are not equal. And, and that can be quite confronting, but I, I think there are a few things we should say about that. Uh, the first is I suspect that if we, and I do believe we will get the bill through this year, that, uh, once that happens, uh, a, a, a large portion of Australians who voted no will move on uh, and it will, become, uh, it will become accepted. And the second thing is, you know, some, some people are on a journey and some of them uh, some people didn't respond to the fears, fear campaign and the scare campaign, uh, and I think over time those fears should recede.
1: You mentioned going into the schoolyard. You mentioned um, the school community, your family, mm. a number of times over the debate. Has your, has your attitude to making the private public changed
4: over recent years? Mm. I think this debate is, is in many ways the most personal of debates, isn't it? So I, I, I'm still not somebody who really enjoys a lot of attention on matters personal in the sense that I don't, <coughs> I don't do uh, profiles with my family or pics with my family and we try and keep the children out of the public eye most of the time and, and those sorts of things. But uh, it is a very personal debate uh, and I, I try to draw sometimes on my experience because I think it's important for me, <coughs> it has been important for me in this debate to speak um, to others about their you know the things that they're experiencing and what kind of conversations have you had i, I mentioned my public um words so right. so <clears throat> the experience that experience of wondering you know who who doesn't uh, agree with equality or, or that experience of acceptance that i've talked about i think i think that they're important to share because i don't don't talk about the names and, and so forth but it's about reminding us all uh, of, you know, I think the best and the, the hopeful in our society, as well as some of the hard, hard, hard parts.
1: And in, in doing that, are you drawing on the experiences of others or are you also drawing on your own experiences? I know you spoke today about mm. prejudice um, mm. based on your race. Mm. Do you also draw on prejudice you experienced perhaps when you were younger based on being a lesbian?
4: No, I think uh, what I said today is true. I think my formative experiences of prejudice were much more about race than sexuality um, for the reasons I outlined. But I, I have drawn a lot on the experiences of others as communicated to me in the, through these last years. Um, like when people... I, I went to Brisbane as part of this campaign to talk after the Pride March... Uh, and I talked about... It was in a pretty difficult time in the campaign, I think, and I talked about not being defined by others' prejudices uh, and that we had to stay strong and uh, not, not feel like our worth was defined by others in that way. And I looked around the room and there were so many people weeping uh, and I thought it was important to... And, and I've used that example uh, a few times because I think it's important f- to remind people uh, how this has been for... Parts of our community, uh, but also to remind people that we aren't defined by that kind of prejudice.
1: That's a hard line to walk. Yeah, it is. Moving to the bill, Labor said it will oppose amendments to roll back anti discrimination mm. law. George Brandis has proposed that civil celebrants should be able to conscientiously Mm. object. That's a a rollback, isn't it?
4: Well, I'd like to see what he actually... I mean, the only notice I've got of that is what George said, I think, in the procedural debate. Was it yesterday? Yeah. That's all I've seen him say. He might have said something on media, but I haven't seen it. So we'll have a look at the amendment. I I mean, the the general principle I've taken, uh, the approach I've taken, is, as I've said, Australians didn't vote to increased discrimination, they voted to lessen it. So the Senate debate and the Senate bill should reflect that principle.
1: And do you accept the argument from Conservatives that refusing to serve a gay wedding is actually quite different no, to refusing to serve a gay person? No,
4: I think that is semantics. And I think most people out there... <laughs> ..most people out there would see what that for that argument for what it is. It's a kind of sophistry, isn't it? But, I mean, really, seriously... It's 2017 and we're really saying we want people to be able to be refused service from a commercial provider because of their sexuality. I mean, it's like going back... What sort of Australia are we envisaging? It's like going back to a time where people might have been refused service because they're black. I just think it's extraordinary that people would even suggest it.
1: You said you think that the bill will pass... By the end of the the scheduled parliamentary sitting, when do you think it will receive royal assent and become legal?
4: By well, I think it depends how quickly the government can can do all that. It Depends when it's passed too. Like we're as we're speaking, this is being debated. So, <coughs> uh, and the motion requires in the Senate that it be resolved by the thirtieth, uh, or we don't. You know, we have to sit till it's resolved that day. Um, we're getting through this reasonably quickly today, so I actually think it's possible it could pass the Senate earlier, and if it gets to the House earlier, then it can be resolved earlier. And my observation is, and you know, they might end up—they've been particularly persistent, the No campaigners in the Parliament. So you know, they might coalesce around some very difficult amendment which um, puts a spanner in the works. But uh, my observation is, a lot of the fight has gone out of them because it was such an emphatic win.
1: You think that they just the numbers aren't there
4: for them? Yeah, not at the moment, no.
1: Okay, and how relieved will you be once this is over? I mean, <laughs> uh, both on a level of what
4: am I, <laughs> I, I going to talk to you about, Lane? Right? <laughs> I contain multitudes. <laughs> how <laughs> relieved will I be? Yeah, pretty relieved, won't you? Like yeah. it's been it's been a very long debate in Australia. And, you know, I, I kept saying on Q&A a few times, I'm actually sick of as- answering questions about it. It wasn't, it wasn't just a line. I actually am. It'd be nice to just have it done.
1: A lot of the LGBTI people I've spoken to about hearing the result have stressed that they felt relief mm. before they felt
4: joy or, mm, I think or that, happiness. Yeah, I think that's right. Mm. I actually just felt overwhelmed. But I've been pretty emotional all the morning. I hadn't had much sleep and I just think it was like it's the end of a long road, isn't it?
1: It is. And with that in mind, thanks so much
4: for talking to us. It yeah, was well, great to talk to you. I'm not sorry. asking her that. She's, <laughs> she's going to get the same answer she's, everybody else's hurt.
1: I don't know if you could hear it at the end of that interview, but that was Alice heckling in the background, <laughs> asking Penny Wong, when are you going to pop the question to Sophie? <laughs> When's she getting married? <laughs> and as I said, I'm not going to ask her that because... Penny Wong has been asked that a lot of times this week and has no time for it. Astute listeners would hear. I, it was also me heckling at the end of the Dean Smith interview. You're always heckling me, Alice.
2: You're always no, heckling. I'm heckling them. I'm not heckling you. Okay. Um, now, uh, I'm going to come and heckle your interviews. <laughs> for free. They could use the boost, man. <laughs> they could use, I could use the, the extra listeners. Two oh more ears. Um, right. Now, it is worth noting, Lane, that uh, mm-hmm. the postal survey came in under budget. So it would be slated to be $122 They came in under $100 million, So we've got this... 22000000 million-ish to spare, and the Greens and Labor are calling on the government to spend that money on LGBTI mental health services, because we found out this week from Retail Australia, who were a group that provide mental health support for young people, that they've seen a 40% increase in demand for services since the survey started, and tragically we know, Lane, that some people did self-harm and some people did take their lives uh, during the campaign, which is just... Absolutely horrific. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll keep you posted on on what the government they haven't the government haven't said yes. They haven't said what they're going to do with the extra money, with the complications with how they funded this whole thing. I'm not sure if they can even really reallocate it. But it would be nice to to see the government kind of step up into the area and 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 put some put their money where their mouth is. Um, now our next guest is Green Senator Janet Rice, who actually spoke about uh, mental health funding uh, during her speech in the Senate this week.
1: She also said, Alice, that politicians talk a lot about the L and the G and not often the BTIQ, bisexual, trans, intersex and queer people in this marriage debate. So she made sure to talk about these groups in her speech, as well as ending with this lovely little bit. It's so simple. This is about love. And I say to
6: people who voted no, I invite you to get to know us, get to know LGBTI people. I invite you to open your minds and your hearts to us. Nobody is going to be forced to marry someone they don't want to. No religious institution will be forced to marry an LGBTIQ couple. It's not about changing any of your rights or your relationships. It's about adding more love and more equality to our social fabric. The word yes has now been transformed into the definition of acceptance and love. The meaning of yes is one that differs from person to person, but through this campaign has blossomed into a universal sign of hope. And this is truly how we are going to move forward. It's time that we get this done. It's time for politicians to do our job. It's time to let those dreams of millions of Australians come true. Somewhere over the rainbow, skies are blue. And the dreams that you dared to dream,
1: they really do come true. Senator Janet Rice, welcome back to Is It On? Thank you, Lane. It's great to be here. What I want to talk to you about is your speech today. You made a great effort to focus not only on gay and lesbian Australians, but also bisexual, transgender, intersex, queer Australians. Why was that such a focus for you? Because they get forgotten so much. And I've done,
6: I, you know, I work with people from right across the rainbow spectrum, people from you know, all of lesbian, gay, trans, trans, um, Transgender, intersex, bisexual, queer—I got them all mixed up then, didn't I? A <laughs> um, lovely alphabet soup. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And so many people in this campaign have just been talking about gays and lesbians. So, and for me in particular, you know, with a, a trans wife, um, transgender issues have really been you know, very important for me, and for me as a bisexual as well. And so I thought it was a really good opportunity and appropriate to focus on them to make sure that the importance of this reform to, you know, the, the, the BITQ part of the acronym um, was really properly recognised. Yeah,
1: and do you think it's because you're bisexual and your wife is transgender that some of these people have expressed that to you, feeling a bit, I suppose, left out of some parts of the campaign?
6: Probably, and they know that they've got a supporter and, and they know that I will be there to champion, yes, of um, transgender and bi- bisexual causes. Mm. I've also done quite a bit of work with the intersex community over the last few months as well, so I've got to know a whole range of different people and, yeah, have heard that from people and it's just yeah made me redouble my efforts to make
1: sure that the, the whole rainbow isn't yeah is, is included yeah and one of the things that we have heard very often from the no campaign throughout is this idea that you know it doesn't just stop as marriage it's much more than that and of course they mean that as a pejorative um but the the, the flip side of it is that I know a lot of intersex and trans people are actually not so confident that the rest of the community will Come along behind them. Um, so I'm interested, what you see as the the next big issues? What what comes after marriage for well, the community? Particularly for trans people, it
6: is a sense that you know they're, they've they had much a much greater profile over the last five years or so, and so people know that trans people exist. But there's so much transphobia that's out there in the community, and it shocked me over the last two months just how much really abusive, offensive, transphobic stuff I was getting on my social media feeds. I mean, stuff that you know my staff tried to shield from me, and then I in turn sort of didn't. No way did I let Penny see any of it because for her as a trans person I thought she just doesn't need to see this and so just really increasing continuing to increase the visibility but increasing support and acceptance of trans people as you know being to be celebrated rather than something that's really weird and really strange and you know you need and people don't accept that's the overall thing i mean there there are other specific things i mean the intersex community particular sort of the issue of surgery on infants before you know way 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 before they are able to consent Um, trans young people as we know um, being able to access hormones under the age of 18 without having to go to the family court there's some of the specific issues but generally just building that acceptance of people. And that's why, you know, in some ways, you know, the No Campaign, I write that although the particular legislative reform that we are achieving is just marriage equality and it's focused on marriage equality and hasn't got... You know, repercussions beyond that, the social change and the cultural
1: change that's going to come from that is going to be profound, and that's wonderful. The Greens have signaled that they'll be moving a number of amendments to the Smith Bill, despite saying, you know, it has gone through this process, and we largely think it's good. Is there anything you can tell me about the specifics of the amendments that you'll be looking at? Look with. Still working on them at the moment, so I can't talk
6: about the specifics and we're you know putting them together. But basically the overall thrust is them is we want to make absolutely sure that nothing in the things in the Smith Bill well it's not the Smith bill anymore, the things in our our co-sponsored cross party bill don't extend discriminations beyond where they currently are. So that we accept, you know, the existing provisions in the Sex Discrimination Act. We don't like the the extent of the religious exemptions that are there, but we accept they are there, they're our existing law, we'll fight the battle over them at some other time. Marriage equality doesn't have to wait for that. But we don't want to see further exemptions entrenched into law through um, the bill that we pass through through the parliament because people have voted for equality, they haven't voted for extra
1: discrimination. And just finally, Senator, today's speech is in relation to a bill that has... More chance of passing than any other of the 22 bills that have come before this parliament. Can you just tell me a bit about what was going through your head, the significance of, of that moment of being involved in this reform?
6: It is, it's, it's. <sighs> It's almost overwhelming to think that this is going to happen, and to think how long it's been. People have been campaigning for it, and you know the, the people that have sadly passed away as well while they've been trying to get this reform. So there does feel like there is this, both this great responsibility, but a great privilege to be involved in the campaign at this time. And I can only imagine how it's going to feel when we finally get the legislation through the parliament. In the, yesterday, yesterday it was pretty amazing, and all of the partying it happened all around the country, but. But you know, we for me it was a bit tempered by the fact of okay, you know, it's step number 477 or whatever of the the process that we need to go through, and we've still got the, the the process of getting the legislation through the parliament to get through before we could completely celebrate, and that's going to be an amazing celebration.
1: It is Senator Rice, thanks so much for your time. Thanks,
5: Lane. I like the woman.
2: Now, Lane, you were watching the Senate yesterday. What were some of the other highlights of the speeches that you saw? What were some of the standouts? Yeah, so the debate kicked off in the Senate yesterday.
1: And it was, I guess, just to to start off with, Alice, I want to say that it was a different feeling than other same-sex marriage debates in the chamber, of which there have been several, you know, over recent years and many oh, of those. Oh, even over the, the last year, the plebiscite debate. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, many of those I have watched and the feel in the chamber was just different this time around. It felt more, it felt more, I suppose, even sedate. It, it felt like people knew where we were heading for once, mm. um, which is not insignificant. Senator Smith started the speeches. He addressed several things in his speech. He talked about his conservatism. He talked about his Christianity. He praised colleague Warren Ench, who um, is a straight liberal. He was the only straight one of the five Liberal MPs that first kind of, you know, were working to put up this, this Smith bill. And so he praised him for his work. He said one thing that particularly resonated with me, Alice. He, he said, all too often, the biggest hurdle for so many is that of self-acceptance and finding that path where we can honestly reconcile who we are with the hopes and dreams we have for our lives and what we think are the expectations of others.
3: I have listened to hundreds, if not thousands, of LGBTI Australians in past years. Many have written, emailed, Facebooked, tweeted, spoken to me in airports and at functions or simply picked up the phone. There is a commonality in all these conversations and in all of our lives. It is that of rejection and acceptance, isolation and inclusion, but acutely shame and pride. It's the silent chord that runs through all of our lives, but acutely through the lives of LGBTI Australians. All too often the biggest hurdle for so many is that of self-acceptance and finding that path where we can honestly reconcile who we are with the hopes and dreams we have for our own lives and what we think are the expectations of others. I've been fortunate I have an accepting, embracing and loving family. The heartbeat of their love for me didn't skip a beat. Not everyone is that fortunate. We
1: also heard next up from Labor Senator Penny Wong. This is one of so many speeches that Wong has given on this issue. I think people were really kind of highly anticipating her speech. She spoke about experiencing prejudice because of her race as opposed to because of her her sexuality or her gender. She really said that her formative experiences of prejudice were to do with race. The colour of her skin, her hair, the shape of my eyes is is what she said. She also spoke about 2004. Wong has been heavily, heavily criticised over the years for voting in favour of the 2004 Amendment to the Marriage Act when the Howard government and Labor joined to ban same-sex marriage in legislation, mm. she, you know, she said, for me, Labor's support for the Howard government's amendment meant I voted for discrimination against myself. Here's what she said about 2004.
4: Almost four decades after the anti-miscegenation laws were declared invalid by the US Supreme Court, the Australian Parliament was legislating to discriminate against loving couples, not on the basis of race, but on the basis of sexuality. And it was a dark moment in the history of this parliament. And for me, Labor's support for the Howard government's amendment meant I voted for discrimination against myself and the people whom I loved. And I had a choice at that time: I could go out in a blaze of publicity, take a public stand against my party, and become an outsider in a pretty dramatic way. Well, I decided to fight. Fight this discrimination from within the political system, and I chose to say, stay and accept the solidarity to which I had signed up as a member of a collective political party. I was convinced that Labor, as the party of equality, would one day. Be a driving force for reversing the discrimination that the parliament had legislated. We
1: also heard from Green Senator Janet Rice. She did this quite lovely thing where she kind of went through the acronym LGBTI and told stories of people from each letter of the acronym to try and you know highlight the people behind the debate. And I think that was particularly powerful because the acronym is so often derided by opponents of uh, of marriage equality, but also of LGBTI rights. So in a way, I felt that that. Reclaiming of the kind of, you know, the alphabet soup, whatever they call themselves, attitude that we have seen from some people in this debate was, was quite significant.
2: And also nice to hear Janet um, talk about uh, her partner who is trans. Mm-hmm. It's all, I mean, I think that one of the, uh, you know, highlights of what has been often quite a really brutal campaign has been hearing people's personal stories. And that's, and you know, in Parliament, that's always nice to hear people that are directly linked to how a bill will impact real people talk about it
1: because we don't hear that too often. Yeah, absolutely. Just to run through some of the other people we heard from, Education Minister Simon Birmingham was the first Cabinet member to speak in the same-sex marriage debate. He also addressed the 2004 change to the Marriage Act and he said it was wrong then and, if I can say so, so inelegantly, even more wrong now.
3: It
0: has been a very, very long journey to get to this change.
6: We have already heard in this chamber of the 2004 legislative change to the Marriage Act. It was a bipartisan change, but I join those opposite in reflecting that it was wrong. It was the wrong thing to do at the time. It was wrong then and it is even, if I can say inelegantly so, more wrong today.
1: There was also a particularly interesting speech from Liberal Senator Jane Hume who said that she didn't campaign because she didn't think it would change anything, and she also described campaigning, doing things like attending rallies or issuing press releases or changing social media profile pictures as political bandwagoning and virtue signaling. It did seem quite pointed. Um, And given the kind of breadth of politicians across the spectrum who did campaign on this, including several LGBTI politicians, it was actually quite... I I was a bit unsure about who she was directing that at, Alice. The people that threw glitter on themselves and and changed their Facebook profile pictures
2: Mm. to have
0: a rainbow on them, Lane. Absolutely. Mm. Introducing this bill to the Senate is something that I was extremely proud to do. Not because I have been at the forefront of this campaign. Indeed, I have not. Although my position on same-sex marriage has always been clear and has always been consistent, I have not led the charge. Since entering this place 15 months ago, I haven't made unsolicited comments to the media or issued a press release. I haven't covered myself with glitter or rainbows. I haven't changed my social media profile or picture to multi I haven't attended a rally. I haven't even hashtagged. And that's not because I don't believe in the cause. I do. I do deeply. But my political bandwagoning and virtue signalling, one way or the other, was not going to change a single vote. It was not going to affect the outcome one iota. I knew throughout the debate that, despite my very privileged position as a legislator in the Senate of this great country, my opinion on this issue is no more or no less important than anyone else's. And It was those deeply held personal opinions that were sought and received from the Australian public via the National Survey. A glib Facebook post, a Q&A appearance, a press club address, a hashtag or a finger-wagging diatribe would have changed nothing. Indeed, who am I to think that I could change the outcome? Let the people tell us what they want. And indeed, they have. We also heard from
1: Darren Hinch, who said this has taken too bloody long <laughs> and He's, very,
2: he's always frank. He gets up and he just tells it like it is, like he's back on radio. Yeah. It's great. Human headline.
1: Corey Bernardi was the first uh, person who voted no and campaigned for no in the postal survey to speak. And his speech, I think, surprised a lot of people um, to the extent that it was, he really admitted defeat. Um, I would even say it was gracious. Mm, and I don't I think would. a lot of people expected that. He congratulated the Yes campaign. You know, he didn't completely uh, go off script. He did say, be mindful of the no voters. They're not motivated by malice. You, he really asked senators to consider their concerns in legislating. But he started with congratulations. He said it along the way and he ended with, get married, have fun, do what you want to do. Be who you want to be. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he broke into song. <laughs> no, he didn't. And then he said, <laughs> I <imagine> hope <laughs> And then he said, I hope you all have at least a ha- as happy a time as I've had in my 21 years of marriage. So a surprising speech from Corey Bernardi. It
5: is what it is. You guys have won uh, an extraordinary victory. I ask uh, just simply with from the, the, the humble no voter that you be mindful of the genuine concerns. They're not motivated by malice. They're not motivated by, by loathing or hatred. They're motivated by uh, a desire to ensure that Australia can preserve and protect some of the things that make us really, really good. And for 10 years in this place, I've said that, you know, there are encroachments along the way, um, and I've been trying to push back along, uh, against some of them. I can't push back against this one. I can only say, well, let's think of the principles of the freedoms that have built our country.
1: And to finish... The speeches in the Senate yesterday, Alice, we heard from some other people as well, but I just want to play a bit of audio from the speech of Senator Glenn Stirl. Here it is.
0: Now, as a homosexual
6: man, oh, sorry, as a heterosexual man, that is actually, I didn't mean to do that. As a heterosexual, well, no, you wouldn't worry me anyway. As a heterosexual man, I got, I'm i so excited, I can't, got, oh, my words my mixed up. Heterosexual man, happily married with two kids, two adult kids and a wonderful grandson who I dearly loved a lot of them. I'll never understand what it's like to be discriminated against because of who I love.
2: Well, that's about all we've got time for this week in this huge, huge bumper edition about the what is it? The A
1: A-M-L- M. The AMLPS. The A M. Australian Marriage Law Postal Survey. What what a footnote to history this postal survey will be. Can we never say the words "postal survey" ever again? <laughs> Can
2: we just move on now?
1: I I can't make that promise. (laughs) Not now and not at any point of my life.
2: Okay, so you know, so we've joked on the podcast before that um, one of our favourite things to do is to correct people and say when they say it's an election or they say that it's a ballot or something, we say actually it's a postal survey. Well, the ABS, very funnily, turns out they have the equivalent of a swear jar. (laughs) If anyone ever says that it's a vote, they, they have a swear jar that says actually it's a postal survey. And if you call it by an incorrect term or say if anyone was voting instead of filling out a ballot form or you have to put money in the jar Yeah,
1: that was in a lovely piece by Judith (laughs) Ireland. And it was was just so great. And the funny part is, Alice, that the High Court actually ruled, (laughs) you know, effectively anyway, that it doesn't matter what you call it. They were like... (laughs) It can be a plebiscite and a vote as well as a survey. If statistics are collected, it's still a survey and that's what matters. So I like that the ABS were being finicky about this, even though the High Court kind of said, you don't have to do that. <laughs> we don't care. <laughs> we don't care. Get on with it. I want to say a huge thank you to our producer, Nicholas
2: Ray, Josh Taylor, Nicola Harvey, Richard James, Peter Holmes, and the whole pod team. A big thank you to Road Microphones for supporting the podcast. You can go to buzzfeed.com slash is it on, subscribe on iTunes or your favourite podcasting app, leave a radio and a review we will be back next week where um look who knows what's going to happen in australian politics it is a wild time um who can say lane you've had a huge week you've done an amazing job thanks alice please send lane your love on the twitters she's at lane CD. i'm at workman alice alice this this week this momentous week is it on look lane it is a great question it's definitely on for marriage equality big tick for that Um, But uh, is it on in a federal politics context? Very interesting question. Because Mm. this week, whilst all this marriage survey hoo-ha was happening, five o'clock on Wednesday afternoon, the Australian Electoral Commission popped off an email looking for people uh, to work for the next federal election campaign in a move that it dubs normal forward planning. The email said the AEC is currently looking for temporary staffing at the next federal election. It was sent to people that have previously worked for the AEC in a federal election campaign but said it's not a specific offer of employment. You know, the government have lost 23 news balls in a row, Lane. Malcolm Malcolm Turnbull's support ratings have slumped to 36%. He had a small win with the same-sex marriage result this week. I think Bill Shorten, who sculled a beer at a Melbourne uh, Yes street party, maybe had a bigger week than Malcolm. He seemed to kind of claim the victory a bit more. Malcolm was too busy watching the soccer ruse on Wednesday night to really get involved and he spent all Thursday with cricket players or something. So he was kind of a bit behind the 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 news cycle with, with, with claiming on he it took him till Thursday afternoon to claim the to claim the result, I think. So he's had a bit of a rough week. But um but yeah, so you know, the AEC's getting ready
1: with all these with all these citizenship people dropping like flies. Yeah. It does seem like a long uh kind of run up in advance to find temp electoral stuff. I mean how long do they need? Well, May, maybe a long time. Well, I don't know. It, just, it seems like a long time. I don't know.
2: But uh, but uh, what, what will happen first? Will uh, gay people be able to get married or will Malcolm
1: Turnbull lose the leadership? Oh, God. <laughs> that is a question I, I simply cannot countenance. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. Goodbye, all. Bye.
2: Bye. Bye, 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 bye.